Our second reading continues Luke's Gospel. Then Jesus said, there was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of my property that will belong to me. So he divided his property between them. A few days later, this younger son gathered all he had and traveled to a distant country. And there he squandered his property in dissolute living. When he would spent everything, a severe famine took place throughout that country. And he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He would gladly have filled himself with the pods that the pigs were eating, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired hands have bread enough to spare? But here I am, dying of hunger. I will get up and go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. So he set off and went to his father. But while he was still far off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran and put his arms around him and kissed him. Then the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, Quickly, bring out a robe, the best one, and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. And get the fatted calf and kill it. And let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his elder son was in the field, and when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. He called out to one of the slaves and asked what was going on. He replied, your father has come, your brother has come, and your father has killed the fatted calf because he got him back safe and sound. Then he became angry and refused to go in. His father came out and began to plead with him. But he answered his father, Listen, for all these years I've been working like a slave for you. And I have never disobeyed your command. Yet you have never given me even a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came back, who had devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. Then the father said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours was dead and has come to life. He was lost and has been found. This ends the reading of God's holy word. May God add many blessings to the hearing of it. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we've come into your house and gathered in your name to worship you. Enable us to hear your call in our lives. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts here together be found pleasing and acceptable in your sight. Our Lord our rock, our redeemer.
Amen. One idiosyncrasy about myself that you might know is that I do not like to sleep in my wedding ring. It's got grooves in it. I sleep on my hands. It leaves funny marks on me. It's uncomfortable. So I usually take it off when I get home. I've always done this throughout our marriage. Now, this has caused one of the moments of greatest panic I've ever had. It was my first semester in seminary. I had a huge project that morning. And what I usually do is I take off my watch and I slide it over the watch band and I close the watch band. That way it's safe and sound. It's not a small thing. I could find it easily. And this morning I was getting ready to go out to my presentation. I went and got my watch and I noticed the band had broken. And I started looking for my ring and I could not find it anywhere. Now, our seminary apartment was only about this big. So there wasn't a lot of place to look, but I tore everything apart. I was tossing my computer, my papers, my stuff for my presentation. Heather came out, and I was like, I cannot find my ring anywhere. And she said, go to class without it. And I said, no, I have to find it, and I fixated upon it. I eventually did find it, but I can think of very few times that I've looked for anything with that fervor, with that desperation, with that need to find it. And I think about that story when I think of this trio of parables we have. Jesus tells the parable of the lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son. Jesus tells the the tax collectors and the Pharisees and the people that have gathered him that there was a woman who had ten coins and she lost one. And she tore apart the whole house looking for it. There was a shepherd who had a hundred sheep under his care, and he lost one. Most of us would be happy with a 99% success rate on any given day. But this shepherd lost everything, left everything to go find this one sheep. And then the parable of the prodigal son, one of the most famous parables, one that we're no doubt most of us are familiar with. About a son who had two men, two, a man who had two sons. And the younger son said, Father, I don't want to wait for you to die. Give me my inheritance now. Let me enjoy it while I'm young. So the man took everything he had and divided it and gave the younger son his share. And this is unheard of. And like any young man would do when coming into more money than he knows what to do with, he went off to a distant land to live the life he's always dreamt of. And soon famine came and fortunes turned and he'd lost everything. For the Jewish people, pigs are an unclean animal. To associate them would make yourself unclean. Yet he had to hire himself out to feed a foreigner's pig. And as he's feeding the pigs, he thought, man, I wish I could eat what these pigs are eating. I'm so hungry. I'm so alone. I'm so scared. He'd hit rock bottom. So he decides he will go back to his father. He will say, Father, I have sinned against you, against God. I'm not worthy to be called your son. I realize that. But your servants live better than I do. Treat me as one of them. 
Let me be one of your slaves. And he starts the long journey home. As anyone who's had to ask help from someone who could easily say, I told you so, knows. This is probably the longest journey of his life. He probably imagined every scenario from his dad laughing at him, his dad banishing him, his father turning his back on him. He probably never imagined that as he started to see his father's house in the distance, that his father would be standing on the porch. And as soon as his father saw him, he would start running towards him and embrace him. And he'd launch into the speech which he'd no doubt been practicing the entire way. Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. And the father interrupts him. And says, bring me my finest robe, my best sandals. Kill the fatty calf. We are having a party. My son is home. And threw a huge party. A lost sheep. A lost coin, a lost son. Heaven and hell moved to find them, to recover them. Very rarely are these three parables preached and put together because, let's be honest, the parable of the prodigal son is so long that we don't want to put anything else with it. But you see a theme coming through. Last week we talked a little bit about repentance and how we need to turn our mind to God and focus on God when times are good, when times are tough. And when we see, even when we've turned our back on God, if we turn back to God, God will run out to embrace us, to wrap God's arms around us, to invite us to a party in our honor. That's what happened for the younger son. But the older son, he hears the party. And you know it's a good party because he hears singing, but he also hears the dancing. And it's got to be a good party for you to hear the dancing. And he asks one of the servants in the field with him, what's going on? And the servant says, your brother has come home. It's a party. And instead of rejoicing, he gets angry. He gets upset. He gets self-righteous and indignant. He says, here I've been slaving away for my father. Here I have never disobeyed him. And he has never even given me a goat to kill and have a party with. Yet this son takes half of what he has and blows it living the wildlife. and has a fatted calf killed in his honor. The younger son goes to the party. The eldest son doesn't. The younger son realizes his sins against his father and against God. But the eldest son stands in the field full of indignation, self-righteousness, being judgmental. The youngest son repents and turns back to the father, but the oldest son stands his ground and refuses. The youngest son goes to the party. The eldest son doesn't. Something else I noticed when looking at these three parables is that 
the joy. The joy in finding what was lost, but then the joy is shared with the neighbors. The man finds the sheep and he goes back to the village and says, I have found my sheep. Everyone rejoice with me. Let's have a party. The woman finds her one coin out of the ten that was lost and says, I found my coin. Neighbors, come over. Let's have a feast. And spends more than that one coin was probably worth. The father's son comes home and he kills the fatty calf and throws a huge party. They don't just have joy in finding what was lost, but they share that joy with others. In years of reading these parables, I've missed it because I haven't read them together. But in each of them, there is joy, not in just finding it, but joy shared with neighbors, rejoicing. And there's love. And that is so important and so powerful. I love the image of the father leaving the porch and running out to meet his son in the field. Running arms outreached, ready to embrace his son. He could easily stand on the porch and wait for his son to get here. We'll let him finish his walk of doom, wondering what's going to happen. But he's still so filled with joy and love that he cannot wait to feel his arms around his son. His boy who's come home. And that's love. Abraham, or Rabbi Abraham uh, Tversky tells a story about a man who's eating a fish and another man says, why are you eating that fish? He said, because I love fish. He said, really? You love fish? That's why you go into their habitat, yank them out of the water, kill them and boil them so you can eat them because you love them? No, you don't. You love yourself. And you love the way fish taste and what it does for you. You don't love the fish. You love yourself. And he calls this idea fish love. He says that that's what happens so often in life is we find someone and they fill the slots that we need filled. They nurture us physically. They nurture us emotionally. They, we don't love them. We love what they're able to do with us. And it's fish love. But real love is giving. Real love for someone else is sacrificial. Real love expects nothing in return. And that's the love that God has for us. God's love is not fish love. When the father sees the son, he doesn't think about what he's given to the son. He doesn't think about what the son owes him. He doesn't think about what the son might be able to do for him. His heart just swells at seeing his boy again. At seeing his son who he assumed was dead or lost. That he can't wait to see him. His heart just overflows so much that he runs into the field. It is a giving, self-sacrificial love that the Father has for the Son and that God has for us. This past Tuesday was Pi Day, in case you didn't know it. Pi Day is based on the, the number Pi in math, which is 
rounded off to 3.14. Smarter people can tell you exactly what pi is. I just remember pi r squared is the, uh, the area of a circle. So because it's 3.14, March 14th is Pi Day, and since Pi, P-I, sounds like Pi, P-I-E, people use it as an excuse to eat pie. Because some people need an excuse. And I was thinking about that, I was thinking about love, because so many people approach love like Pi, P-I-E. And that there's eight slices, and when you've given out the last slice, there isn't any more to give out. But pi, P-I, 3.14, 1, 2, 5, 8, I lose track after that. That's what love is. It's what's known as irrational number. So love is irrational. And it's known as an irrational number because the numbers after the decimal point go on forever. Love is irrational and love is unending. God has enough love for each of us. God's heart overflows for each of us. And that's why there's joy. Whether you're the sheep, the coin, the son. If you're lost, God is looking for you. If you're lost, God is moving heaven and hell to find you. If you turn your back on God, God is waiting for you to turn around and then will run out to rejoice and embrace you. So we are filled with joy. And like in each of the parables, it's a joy that should be so overflowing that we cannot contain it. It's a joy that should be contagious from us to the people next to us. We should want to go out into the village and say, celebrate with me. The lost has been found. We should want to invite our neighbors. We should want to run out and embrace the lost. Because that's what God does for us. God's love is irrational. It's unending. It doesn't make sense. But it's a love for us. And that's where we find our strength. That's where we find our hope. And that's where we find our joy. Because no matter how lost we are, God is looking for us. God will find us. We just have to turn around and let God embrace us. Amen.